Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I am Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found bread, and I refuse to withhold it from anyone. The bread of life, Messiah Jesus. This episode, Under a Raging Moon. It's kind of a dual shout-out on this one because, of course, it's a nod to The Who and their song, Under a Raging Moon, great tune. And it itself, the song, is a tribute to the band's late drummer, Keith Moon. And Moon was a notorious wild man and prankster, as it is told. When the band appeared on the Smothers Brothers show, performing their song, My Generation, Moon loaded up his drums with significantly more flash powder than he had ever used. So much so that at the end of the song, when it went off, it caused this massive explosion and it nearly blew the band off the stage. It blinded TV cameras momentarily and it actually caused another guest on the show, Betty White, to faint. And Moon also liked to torment members of the band The Herd, who occasionally toured with The Who. And The the Herd featured guitarist Peter Frampton. But Moon actually liked to mess with the keyboardist and the drummer. And he would set off firecrackers under the keyboardist mid-song, mid-concert. And then he had set up a wire connected to the gong that sat behind the drummer. So every time the drummer went to crash that gong, they would pull it just out of reach, so he missed it every time. Good times, great oldies. And of course, sadly, Moon died tragically of an overdose of Herman Irvin, which is a sedative and hypnotic, which actually can also be used to prevent alcohol withdrawals. But that's enough on that, because we know it's not about the music, it's about the message. So let's do this under a raging moon. Now, if you heard that song and didn't know the man it referenced, you might think to yourself, under a raging moon? I don't think I've ever seen the moon rage before. Have you seen the moon rage? What is a raging moon? Now, similarly, there's a statement in the Song of Solomon in chapter 6, verse 10, where Solomon, and he's speaking of all the attributes of his beloved, he says she is as beautiful as the moon. Now, when you think about that, and consider what the moon looks like, because on those, on those clear nights when it's full, you see lots of imperfections. You see some dark blotches here. You see some cracks and craters. It's not the stuff we typically consider as classic beauty. And now, of course, we've got photos of the surface of the moon, and we can see it's kind of gray and bland and blah. It's rocky and cratery. Not really eye-appealing. That is, of course, if you believe those photos are authentic of the moon and not just taken in some Hollywood studio to convince people that we landed on the moon and, of course, to propagate the lie that the Earth is round and not flat. Okay. (laughs) I had to try it. But yeah, on its own, the moon, it's kind of meh, right? Now, again, thinking about those clear nights when the moon is full, it illuminates the dark to where you can almost read a book in it. And if you live somewhere snowy, like I do, those nights are amazing. I mean, completely lit up, no flashlights necessary, illuminated. And so what makes the moon beautiful is the light it shines 
which is reflected from the sun. The light of the moon is the moon reflecting the light of the sun. And of course, that makes me think of Linkin Park's song, A Place for My Head. I watch how the moon sits in the sky in the dark night, shining with the light from the sun. Oh, never mind. I messed it up. There goes my rapping career. Anyway, and the sun doesn't give light to the moon, assuming the moon's going to owe it one. Okay? Just saying. Shout out, Mike Shinoda. Anyway, so let's stay on track. Think about the beauty of the moon, which is based on what it reflects, the light of the sun. And this makes me think of Moses in Exodus 34 and verse 29. Now it happened when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face was radiant because God had spoken with him. Moses has, had been with Adonai Elohim, and his face was illuminated. It was radiant. He had been in the presence of the Lord and in the glory of the Lord. And his face shone so bright that the children of Israel and even the adults asked him to cover his face with a veil. But Moses' face was reflecting the light of the one he had been with. The Lord our God, Adonai Elohim. How incredible is that? Visibly seeing the light, the glory of the Lord on him. Now we know that Yeshua said, I am the light of the world in John chapter 8. And that they who follow him will not walk in darkness. And we are called to be a light to the world, which we do when we reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N, in our lives, that we too can be beautiful. Not based on our appearances, not based on our abilities, not based on our perfection, because we all have imperfections, blemishes, blotches, and some of us got craters. No, our beauty is based on us reflecting the light of Messiah in our lives. And it's important that we recognize who we are in Him. If we just look at ourselves in the mirror, if we're honest, and we look at ourselves objectively, we're going to see flaws. There are imperfections. There are shortcomings. There are lacks of ability, lack of education in some cases. But James says this in chapter 1, starting at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he looks at himself and goes away, he immediately forgets what sort of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect Torah, the Torah that gives freedom and continues in it, not becoming a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He shall be blessed in what he does. So in the hearing of God's word and in the doing of God's word, we reflect the light of God. Adonai's Torah, his teaching, reveals who we are to be in Messiah. Even the Ten Commandments, which most are familiar with, reading them as thou shalt or thou shalt not, a list of do's and don'ts. That's not 
the way it is actually written. A more accurate translation of what is being said would be, you are a people who has no other gods before you. You are a people who do not take the name of Adonai your God in vain. You are a people who remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. See, God is describing who we are as his people and how we are to behave, how we reflect his light in the world. His word is the mirror that correctly reflects who we are in him. Focusing not on our imperfections, but rather on the light being shown on us by him. And as the psalmist said, his word is a light to our path. It is a lamp to our feet. I may have gotten that backwards. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Anyway, it illuminates his word. (laughs) Keeping that passage from Exodus in mind about Moses... Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, who is the Spirit. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now we have probably all seen those funhouse mirrors are familiar with them, right? The ones that distort images. Some make you look short and stubby. Some make you look tall and skinny. Others make you look all wavy or make your eyes look enormous like they're all bugging out. You get the idea. You know, come to think of it, every mirror makes me look short. They're all distorted. Seriously, there is only one mirror that removes the blemishes and the imperfections. And that is the mirror that reflects who we are in him. It's the word of the living God. We have to know who we are in him to walk in the boldness necessary to be his ambassadors. Our confidence is in him and him alone. Not focusing on what we can do, what our abilities are, why we do or don't qualify how bad we've messed up, but gazing upon who we are in him, as his word says. And another aspect of this is we need to look at our brothers and sisters in the same way. Beautiful in Messiah. Not looking at their imperfections, their shortcomings, their blemishes, their inabilities, but seeing them in the reflected light of God. And I've been convicted of this lately regarding my expectations of other believers. Nitpicking, shaking my head, looking for specks in people's eyes. I know that I'm in no way perfect, right? And, and really, in, on my own, I'm not beautiful, But Colossians 2.14 says, He wiped out the handwritten record of debts with the decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. That is a beautiful passage. And for more on that passage, please check out the episode, Driving Nails. It's another episode. Check that one out. 
But then also in Hebrews 10, 14, God's word says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those being made holy. And that one offering is the sacrifice of Messiah Yeshua, crucified for our sin. We are perfected in him, and so are our brothers and sisters. And now this is, of course, not in any way excusing sin in ourselves or in our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to hold each other accountable to God's word. But we are also to extend patience and grace, which God has poured out in abundance for us. We, I'll speak for myself, I have a tendency to get more angry with other people's sin than with my own. And as I've been wrestling with some concerns that I've got with others, it has led me to frustration and hurt feelings. And I've actually been reminded of the book Unoffendable by Brent Hansen. And a, a great friend of mine suggested that I read that, and I did. And as I've been going through this time, some of that book has come back to me, and it's, it just brings me back to a biblical perspective. And if I'm going to be mad about anybody's sin, I've got to be mad about my sin. Because we think of Messiah and what a lot of people refer to as the righteous indignation, Messiah tossing those temple tables. He was cleansing the temple. Well, that's where I can focus my indignation is cleansing the temple. And yes, I believe scripture tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so if I'm going to get upset, I need to get upset with the stuff that's in this temple that doesn't belong here and more thoroughly make this temple a house of prayer, as Messiah said. I want others to see me beautiful. I want them to see me beautiful in Christ. And I must afford others that same grace that man or that woman, that brother, or that sister, beautiful in Christ. Not as they are on their own, not in their imperfections and, and lack of abilities, as I said, but who they are in Him. Beautiful. Beautiful as the moon reflecting the light of the sun. Let's look in the mirror of His Word God's word and see who we are in him and reflect that light, the light of God's son to those who are around us. I am ever grateful for the grace God has extended me in Messiah Yeshua, and I must extend that same grace to others. And once more, this is not a license for anyone to sin or transgress God's law. But as John said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua the righteous. Hallelujah for that. He will plead our case to the Father. Thank you, Lord. And as we work towards living the life in obedience to him, which is reflecting God's light to others as we walk following Jesus, walking the way Messiah walked. 
Oswald Chambers says it this way, when we choose deliberately to obey him, then he will tax the remotest star and the last grain of sand to assist us. That is a beautiful quote, and how awesome is our God. Awesome enough to somehow show people beauty through this blotchy, blemished beggar when I reflect his light and life. So remember whose you are and who you are in him. And remember your brothers and sisters are his as well. And in Christ, they are beautiful. Look in the mirror of his word. Reflect that word to the world. Go out and give him heaven.